Hey, welcome back at it to another episode of Life in Red Podcast. Lifeinredpodcast.com, Life in Red Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and Life in Red Pod on the Twitter. Uh, this episode today, um, it was a really cool conversation, and not many people know this, but I'm a huge fan of hip-hop, uh, especially from, you know, the late 80s and 90s, so uh, it was a, a really cool opportunity to talk about uh, that with a local artist from here in Ottawa. Um, he just has a new song out. It is a sensational video, and we really get into it, but I really encourage you to check that out on YouTube. Uh, it's It's absolutely stunning um and the the visuals are, are wild um he's a new artist so uh, definitely go check him out uh we get into a whole bunch of stuff on life on music on art on mental health uh and it was a really great conversation i think you're going to enjoy it so please give it up for my guest eugen Take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Alright, boom, Jen, have you been paying attention to this election? <laughs> oh god. Um honestly, I tried my best to, but it was uh it was getting the best of me. I had to take a break and stop watching it. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I've been glued to my, my TV. I even have it on here in the background because it's coming, it's supposed to maybe come down tonight. Like Georgia is like super close and uh, like, I just, I can't stop watching it, but holy shit. It's stressful, <laughs> man. It is, it's ridiculous. Um, you have a, a brand new song out and I definitely want to get into that, but I kind of want to like go right back because I, I haven't had a chance yet it's one of my my favorite subject is is music and hip-hop mm -hmm. um you know i don't look like it but i, I do really love hip-hop and especially like old hip-hop like from the 90s and in 80s and i've always wanted to like talk about that with people but it's hard to get people on sometimes so yeah. i mean when when did you start getting into music when was you know the point for you where you're like okay i'm i'm gonna be an mc i'm gonna try this um so throughout high school i was uh i was making beats like producing they were um awful i'm never gonna those, are <laughs> never gonna, <laughs> those will never see the light of day but it was uh it was my pastime and i would always take like acapellas from other rappers and put them on my beats to try to make full songs out of them and then it was at the point where i'm like i don't i can't find the exact artist that i want to sound on this beat so eventually it just led to me trying it out myself damn so it, it was easy. a it was a weird progress <laughs> yeah <laughs> who uh like when you were putting together these beats who were the type of uh you know artists that you were listening to and kind of taking inspiration from so um i listened to a lot of eminem and uh luckily he's one of the biggest artists so he has a lot of free acapellas all like all floating over the internet so it made it easier right. to put that stuff on my music um, but as far as artists that I listen to regularly, it was, it was um, a lot of early Tyler the Creator stuff, some Earl Sweatshirt, and then just the old school, the Biggie, Biggie Smalls, the uh, Lupe Fiasco was a huge one for me. It's a lot of, um, I, I get, I obsess over lyrics, like storytelling and, and rhyme schemes and wordplay. That's the stuff that really gets me going. So when I see artists doing that well, that's what like 
it really attracts me to them and their music. That's, that's kind of one of the things that I, I definitely picked up um, listening to some of your stuff. Uh, and I, I, that's what I appreciate it. And I love all types of music. Like I, I listen to metal. Like I said, I listen to like nineties hip hop, but like, I'm really about like what, what they're saying. And, and sometimes it, it bugs me that, um, you know, especially in like, you know, newer music, whether that's hip hop or, or pop music, you know, it's, the joke now is like it's like mumble rap i don't even yeah. know if that's an official uh, it's like, official term now <laughs> yeah is it so like genre but that 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 stuff's kind of lost and it's it's more about the beats and um hooks and, and catchy exactly. little phrasing uh like, i don't know do you like have thoughts on that or, or on where uh, the music's going i mean i'm not a huge huge fan of that stuff i mean i'll always put it on the background just for like i mean or pre-pandemic it was obviously nice for parties and stuff like that but nowadays it's like i have no use for it <laughs> and it's it's really easy to make like you can tell when when the hook is two words over and over and over again it, you can tell it didn't take a lot of thought to put that into it but again like it's catchy and i can't i can't i can't knock it like if it's if they're smart enough to make a catchy song i gotta respect it it's just not it's not for me right when you're when you're writing what types of things are you drawing on when you're when you're putting down you know like maybe a freestyle or or writing your next song or are you what types of parts is it of your life is it of culture society politics like where are you taking the inspiration to put into your songs um it's a lot of uh it's a lot of personal experiences and then just my take on whatever else is going on in the music industry so with the with the first song impatient i had wrote i wrote that one in college um about three four years ago now and uh i never recorded it till this year um it was more of like so in college it was like more of a way to i guess distract myself or find uh mm. find outlets so writing was the way to do it for me but i was like way 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 too shy to actually get in front of a microphone and say anything so it just kind of sat in the i guess once uh once covid set in and there was a lot of free time i was like might as well just try finally recording this so I put I put that one out, and that was in February, I think, maybe early March. Um, but that was the response to that was crazy. It was super overwhelmingly positive, and uh, I mean, from there on, it was just like I got to keep putting out music because I like it, and then other people are liking it too. So at the end of the day, I think I make music for myself. Like I make what I want to listen to, and also just using it as an outlet to make myself feel better. All right. So this like wasn't even necessarily like something you were like, you know, one day I'm I'm gonna you know I'm gonna try to make a music career. I'm gonna try to no, do all this stuff. Not at like, all. you did it out of like a, just like, well, shit, I have nothing else to do, and it, yeah. it's a fun little hobby. I mean, not dissimilar to the way I do this podcast. You know, never dreamed of like trying to be a big podcaster, but it's like, mm. all right, I like doing it, and holy shit, people are actually listening. Okay, like, okay, I'll keep yeah. doing it. <laughs> exactly, because then you get something out of it, everyone else gets something out of it, and it just gives you motivation to keep going forward. Um, but yeah, that's 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 how it got started. And nowadays it's just, I guess, from, from Impatient, it was the most personal track I've ever written. And then when it comes to the last song, it's not as, like, personal. It's more of just my take on everything going on especially especially in the Ottawa rap community but I don't want to dive too too far into that one but it was just more of like authenticity and transparency has been my thing since day one with whatever I'm doing I feel like being able to 
speak openly about what I'm going through or what I'm, uh, what my music's saying. And um, thank God, like music has always been the best way to get that out there for me. So like when I found, when I found out that other people can relate to the things that I'm talking about too, that was like the biggest kick in the butt, like, Oh, maybe you should keep doing this. Hmm. It's uh, it's not, I mean, in a way it's like journaling. Uh, like people yeah. say journaling, it's kind of like you're journaling, but like, poetically and then just putting it out to the the rest of the world but how therapeutic and and freeing it is just to you know get your mind off all the things that you're thinking about like i i use twitter in a little bit of a way yeah. uh, to that where just like i get all the stuff off my mind and, and just kind of put it out there for the world but it's interesting that you can take what you're feeling but then also articulate it in a way that you know like that has the rhyme the the beat the 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 pat the rhythmic patterns like mm-hmm. that, that, that's something not a lot of people can do i've always like wanted to try i liked writing poems in high school and then like i tried yeah. to dabble it and as an adult i'm like man this sucks <laughs> i'm not gonna do it <laughs> you gotta just keep doing it i think i think that's the that's the best part is like getting better because it's it's never gonna start off great i think that's the best part is just having a starting point and then just progressively improving each time. Um, I think the reason impatient was relatable to a lot of people is because not, I guess, I guess a lot of people are starting to talk about it now, but mental health hasn't been huge in the, uh, in the rap community nowadays. Mm. Um, And if it, when it is, it's more of on the, the more poppy sound, I guess. So I wanted to like really strip down all the the, the singing and, the, and the, the fancy beats and just find a simple track and then just speak as openly as I can on it. And that was like, when I finally put that track out, that was like the closest to actual therapy that I've had in a long time. I, I know Logic kind of had that song that, that went big um, a couple of years ago. Yeah. I mean, I, I know you can't speak for everybody and, and, the the entire industry but i mean in your view why do you think that is where you know hip-hop has has never been afraid to tackle issues you know cultural issues race issues like politics why do you think mental health has been maybe kind of like a non-starter for a lot of people to to dive into in in their songs um I, i think it has something to do with like seeming weaker and that's like a whole, that's, that's an awful way to think about it. But like you, you, when you speak about what you're going through, you, you're vulnerable. Right. And I think a lot of rap and hip hop is always about being this big icon and this bravado, this, like this, 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 this persona. And when you start having vulnerability, people can start poking holes in that. And I think a lot of people are a little nervous to open up like that when it comes to rap music. Um, but again, I've always been really open with what I'm going through, whether it's on social media or just with my friends or family. So being able to have music as that outlet for me has been incredible. Well, I mean, share what you want with it, but what types of things were you going through when you were, you were writing the, the first track? Um, so I was, in, uh, I, was in, I was in college when I wrote Impatient. Um, I was... Uh, I was just, I just got put on a medication called the Accutane for, uh, for acne. I had like, I had the worst, (laughs) the worst acne on the planet. And then, um, 
so the Accutane was supposed to help help with that, but one of the side effects is like mood swings and mild depression. Um, and they they one of the warnings when I was when I started taking it was like if you ever feel any signs of like mood swings or shifts like that, just please tell your doctor immediately. But I uh, I decided to hold on to that information to myself because I really wanted the medication to to work. Like having bad skin in high school is, is a rough go. Mm-hmm. And then carrying that into college is also a rough go, especially when you're meeting new people and leaving the city. Um, so I just wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted that medication to work its to work its way through my system, and I didn't want to end up taking myself off it just to for mental health, right? Um, but that started to take a toll on me, and I got into uh, started drinking a lot. Um, and my roommate was very seldom there at the time, so it was mostly just it was me in the first semester by myself. So it was a lot of like personal time and downtime. And when you sit alone, you start to fester in your own thoughts. And like, that was the, that was my low point. But like, ironically enough, that was my highest point content wise for, for song, song content. Like my best music has came, has come from my worst place as a person. Um, and that's, that's why I put the track out there. I'm like, I, if, if I'm feeling like, like, if I'm feeling like this, there's guaranteed that someone else is feeling like this. So putting that out there just to have that little beacon of relatability was, was one of the main reasons I started putting out music like that. It's one of the great, not great as in like, you know, good, but like kind of great ironies when it, especially when it comes to art, whether that's music or, or visuals that some of the best art comes from tragedy from you know brokenness from a, a poor political culture uh whatever it is you know it almost says that like you can't be a great artist if you're happy it, it yeah. it's like there's some truth know, to that for sure there is you know and and even in some ways that you know i take some of the, the times in my life where i you know i reached the lowest point i thought i could reach whether that's with depression or or in my career or you know with a breakup and how I've been able to use those moments in, in creating something good or better out of it. It's, it's just, it's funny that it, it, it sucks. <laughs> that, like, yeah, it's like we it have does. to like go through such shit. And then that, all of a sudden, like, that's where like the, the best stuff comes out of. It's like, man, can I just write this shit when I'm happy? But a lot of the times happy doesn't make you feel in a lot exactly. of ways. I think we can and all I, emphasize. And don't get me wrong, like I love I love listening to like upbeat music. I'm not just always festering <laughs> in, in dark, dark tones and tunes, but like the stuff that resonates the most is the stuff where people are like having breakdowns or at their lowest low or just being the most vulnerable. And like, yeah, I I can relate to that. So it it just it sounds better to me. It it sits better with me and I can listen to it more and more. Um so that's why I ended up listening to a lot of artists like Earl Sweatshirt, who's like super, super open about his, his depression and mental health. And um, he's like, he's like, he's, he's, he's the guy for me. Like that's, that's like, that's my dude. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, he's, he's, he's one of the main ones that inspired me to keep doing what I'm doing. And the day, the day after I put out Impatient on, um, I put on all the streaming platforms, I got a message from someone. I can't remember where he was from. I don't want to talk. I don't want to bring his name up he was just talking about how he was at his lowest low and the song kind of made him feel better. Cause it was just the relatability thing that I was talking about earlier. And that message alone has 
kick me to keep putting out music every every chance I get. It's, uh, I mean, that was one of the the wildest feelings that I got when I started sharing my stories, where people are like, "That's exactly how I feel," and like you just saying that, like, helped me in a way. It's kind of yeah. like, what? like this, you know, not even knowing, you know, not to be cliche, but that you're not alone. No, that's what that, it is. It's uh, not being alone. Yeah, and I think, you know, in a sense, the the way you know, in, in rap music and in hip hop, especially in, in that culture to, to talk about it. And with so few, especially big artists talking about it, that like how much of an impact that can make for, you know, you know, a young teen who, who enjoys the music, but isn't really getting the conversation, how, how meaningful that could be for them. Exactly. And then the artists, like the big artists that do end up talking about it, people don't take them seriously for some reason. Like they're, being as open as they can in their lyrics like hey i'm going through this um i'm suffering with this i'm addicted to this but it sounds so good that people are just listening to it not really digesting what the lyrics are and then when these young artists like unfortunately like they they overdose and Mm. it's it's tragic like you you want to get to them earlier before that happens but like at the same time, like, where do you draw the line between them making music and them actually opening up and asking for help, right? Mm. Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, now that's, like, taking me, like, now there, it's clicking in my brain. Like, I remember being in college uh, in 2010, and, uh, like, Kid Cudi just came out with an album, and, and you know, he had soundtrack to my life and, and stuff like that. And I remember him getting a, a, a lot of flack for it in the news and the media and, you know, TMZ and all that shit. But then, like, once you said, like, it's funny that like sometimes addiction and, and, you know, overdosing doesn't always compute in my mind right away with like mental health. But then, you know, that took me right to like Mac Miller. Um, it took me to a song um, like Macklemore. He does a song called Other Side, which is about his friend who, who died, which is a, which is a great song. And uh, do you know who uh, Vinnie Paz is? Uh, Jedi yeah. Mind Tricks. You know, yeah. he has a song called um, Happiness Isn't Just a Word about his depersonalization disorder, which is like a fucking wild song and, and story. But, it, you know, so often we also just think of depression and anxiety, but in, in a way that sometimes the culture also kind of puts drinking and, and drug abuse maybe a little bit more to the forefront and, and kind of glorifies it in a way. A hundred percent. And that's the yeah. scariest part because like. I think the average rap listener nowadays is fairly young and to see this kind of stuff getting glorified and kind of made to be kind of exciting or like it's, 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 it's getting lumped into the party lifestyle. And I'm not sure if that's where it needs to be right now. And it's such like, it's crazy that these like young minds are getting subjected to this like over and over and over again, whether they think about it or not, like they're hearing these lyrics constantly in their head and it's 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 kind of scary. Yeah, that's it's something I've always wondered. Like, how much does you know art and music make you know an impression on people, and and how much does it affect in the real world? Because you know, you think of I don't know when when I was going back to what I was listening to in my teenage years that you know, it never really inspired me to do anything bad, but you're right. Like if that's all you're hearing and you, and I'm not trying to disparage like the hip hop community or, or anything like mm-hmm. that on, on, 
you know, some of the content of, of some of the songs anyway, but that when you, you see, you know, people drinking and, and, you know, doing Coke or some of the new stuff, you know, the, the opioids and, and everything like that, taking perks. I know I've heard that in, in some songs, like, yeah, I, I get you're, they're talking about their own personal experience and it's not necessarily saying this is good or bad. This just happened. But when you're kind of with it all day on top of everything else, it, it is easy to get lost in that and kind of lose the messaging that it's just like this a personal story. Yeah, it's 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 the it's the message behind it that changes everything. Like if you're talking about in the sense like I'm struggling because I'm doing these, I'm doing perks, I'm on this, I'm on this. Like it's not good for me. Whether as or compared to like where you're glorifying it, like that's that's the biggest difference. Because again, you're you're still talking about the same context, but it's the message behind it that changes things. Mm -hmm. How do you like? I mean, you know a lot more about it than I do. Like when I think of artists who have either been diagnosed in the public or, or talk about it, have you seen a progression in, in the way they're treated um, or at least perceived from their fans, the audience, the public as, at large? Like I mentioned Kid Cudi off kind of at the start there, but now even I'm thinking about Kanye West and, and kind of this, the, I guess, what people think of him and being diagnosed with bipolar and, and, you know, everything he kind of does with his life. Yeah. Like, have you like, since you were a young guy listening to this stuff, kind of noticing it all to now, like, has there been more openness and understanding to, to mental health or is it it's still stigmatized in the, in the community? I think, I think it's still stigmatized to a degree, but at the same time, it's getting more and more accepted. Like, I don't think a lot of the stuff that comes out today would be acceptable back then. And I think a lot of that has to do with social media and then just being able to like, like the fact that on Twitter, you can directly contact a superstar just with one, one button is nuts to me. So like, I think the idea that you can, it's just the communication is becoming a lot easier nowadays as, mm -hmm. as compared to what it was before, like before rap music, like when it was like early two thousands, you put out a song and then that was it. Like that's that's all you hear from the artist is them putting out a song or them on a radio interview or a television interview. There was no, hey, I'm doing this nowadays. Hey, I'm doing this tomorrow. Hey, I'm doing this. There's no texting. There's no social media. But now if I'm having a bad day, I can put it right on my Twitter. I can put it right on my Instagram. And now all these people know what I'm going through. So I think just because of that, it's more accepted nowadays. But I, I still, to a degree, think it's still stigmatized. Right. Um, you have the second song there. So, I mean, in one year you have three tracks out, which is like pretty phenomenal in my opinion. Um, Thanks, man. don't forget what, or don't front, sorry. Yeah. Bad, I can't read. What, what was that kind of inspiration into this one? Um, so don't front was more of me just like, again, preaching the whole transparency thing. So in the video, I, um, I'm just a regular dude. And then I get tattoos drawn on me. I get, jewelry put on me i get new outfits and then get driving around in a fancy car and then by the end of the video i wipe off all my tattoos and just have dinner with my family because i'm like all of this stuff is just me pretending to do something that i'm not and i don't mm -hmm. like that when i i mean again if people are putting on personas to do music i get that but at the same time like i just for me i appreciate just honesty and transparency when it comes to music so that was my like i guess piss take on that um 
the video was fun like it was a uh, it was super super fun to shoot but like that was that was the I guess that was like the, the thesis behind that track. Right. Do you like, like even watching and I'm, we're going to get into it. The, the talking a lot video, like, like, holy shit. Like it's like visually stunning and, and like mind blowing. And I, I don't really know what's going on, but like we're take, take me to the process with these videos. Like, are, are you working on them with your friends? Are you going out to directors? Like how are you putting them together? Cause like this, like, <laughs> or, or like not to again the ottawa hip-hop community like i just don't know enough about it and i haven't seen enough videos so if you're listening and you're like ryan you're fucking an idiot like i get it no I no you're it. on the right track you got but it. like <laughs> this, like i'm like holy shit like this is like hollywood level stuff in in my mind like no, this take is me huge. through this okay so we'll start um i'll start with impatient that was the first video we put out or i guess i put out that was like very very beginning of the pandemic and I wanted to put the song out, but I felt like the song would be kind of, I guess, naked by itself. So I wanted to put a video with it. So I just set up a couple of lights in my garage, put my camera on a tripod and shot the most basic music video you could think of. Um, and then from there, I started making more music, obviously. And then I reached out to, uh, so ah, I'm getting caught off. But so before I was doing music, I was working as a videographer. Mm, okay. So. I was uh, I was interning at an advertising company, and then um, I was basically carrying someone's bags for. That was my job for a bit. Feel just that kind of shadowing, carrying bags, holding lights, and just getting coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just the office bitch, you know. <laughs> so there. You, can, you can cut that, but um, the uh, so I worked with a guy. His name was Dom Dom Lanos, and he was like, he was the guy. He was like just amazing at everything he did he was the videography master that was that was what I was shadowing so um fast forward I put out impatient and I reached out to him like hey I'm still doing music or I started doing music and he's like hey send me send me anything you're working on so I sent him don't front and he's like can I please do a video for this I'm like I have no money and he's like honestly it's okay we'll uh we'll we'll make it work so the entire budget for that video was just the equipment just like lights so that was that was great and then um so we shot that video in about a day um he's dom is super super organized he came with a shot list by time by by location it was everything was done to a t so we started at 10 finished at like 6 p.m and got the whole video in a day um so the next video for this the next song was called talking a lot mm-hmm. And that's the last one or the latest one. So I had sent that to him again, just via Instagram. And he's like, this is the next one. We're doing this one too. I'm like, Dom, I still have no money. <laughs> um, again, he didn't, he's uh he's super understanding. So we work, we work with a budget that we can, we can both make it work. So then he brought his, uh, someone he works with named Santiago and Santi is like, just he's he's incredible his his eye for visuals is absolutely bananas so i sent them the the song i i shit you not two days later they gave me a six page outline of what the video is going to be so these guys just do this this is their job like they're they're cinematographers videographers directors this is what they do for a living so they love this stuff but their passion lies in music videos so 
just through me me working in the advertising company way back i was able to build the connections that led me to have these connections now like just being able to work with high 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 tier videographers and directors has been insane to me yeah so they sent me that like six page script of what the video is going to be i'm like yeah i'm I'm not going to say no to that um and then from there it was just more planning and of course there's a pandemic going on so we have to like really keep the numbers down we have to get permits from the city and it was a whole thing but luckily the the Orleans bowling alley was super, super understanding. And they let us keep the numbers down and keep a certain amount of people in there. Um, everyone who wasn't on camera was wearing masks. Everyone had to be socially distanced when they were like not in the shots or placed in specific spots where they're with people that they've been around. So it was like super, super meticulously planned out, but the result was absolutely bananas. As like, I, I, I knew it was going to be good, but I was, I was blown away when I saw the first cut. Yeah, like this is <clears throat> like I watched it. My jaw was kind of like, like I'm just like, holy shit! Like, you know, even like, like even before, like, because I watched this, like, watched it and listened to the song at the same time, and it kind of like took me away from the the lyrics a little bit. Like, I heard the song, yeah. and I'm like, but I'm just kind of like trying to understand like what's going on, like you know, burning like or glowing crosses and your face paint and stuff like that. <laughs> I was like, holy shit! Like, this is deep. We uh, they we wanted to make it weird to make you want to watch it more than once. And it's my move. It, I think that was. I think that's been working so far. Um, but yeah, that process was absolutely amazing. Even if the song, even if the song doesn't get another view, doesn't get another play, the experience of working with those guys and shooting that video was made everything worth it. One of my, I was reading through the comments on on YouTube, and it was like. Um, fun fact Eugen doesn't write songs he writes masterpieces <laughs> <laughs> had to go give that a, a, a thumbs up on that one that oh that's great that's but it was, great no like I was like super good and uh, like I said I, I just it's funny I work in Ottawa radio and I, I don't know the the local scene of music or, or hip-hop or anything so again I don't know the quality of other people's videos but like like right there I was just like oh damn i'm not like i am i am i am humble like i will i know that for sure but like that video is there's nothing like that right now like i i can guarantee you there's nothing like that coming out of the city right now in regards to hip-hop at least Mm -hmm. there's people with bigger followings obviously i've just i just started but as far as just from visuals that's uh no one's no one's touching that right now well yeah it's because I mean, it's it's one thing to have the the song and the lyrics mean something, but when the video also has this like representation that it stands for something, that it it means something, that there is like it's like a movie where there's like there's the nuances and the like the different kind of messaging that you're like picking up, like like it just adds that whole extra layer to everything. And I don't mean to keep like being like. Like, like fangirling over here but no, 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 it no. is it's quite good so shout out to dom and santiago because it's amazing those work guys are, those guys are wizards when it comes to making <laughs> like visuals they planned it out so like every shot you see was planned specifically in um in Cinetracer, which is like you can set up lighting shots and people and make sure they basically planned every single scene had a shot reference for every scene and then from there it was just like 
All right, next scene. All right, next scene. All right, next scene. There was no, there was no freestyling when it came to the camera. It was on for a reason and it was off for a reason. No, no fluff. It was watching them work. It's like clockwork. It's amazing. Sometimes I, I aspire to be that organized because, like, <laughs> I mean, I, I love to get creative, but and like when I'm out on some like a shoot or or doing a video or or working on something creative, like I'm <laughs> much more like goosey goosey. Let's just figure it out while we're going. But like, I mean. You, you know, I see by the end product when you do the work on both sides on the off and the on camera, like, it's just like, it just comes together like that. And it's crazy. I've been, um, I'm super grateful to have the opportunity to work with these guys and they're just as excited to work on anything we, uh, we collaborate on, which is cool. Like I always feel like I'm just, I always feel like I'm a step behind because these guys are so good. And I'm like, okay, my song has to match that or be better than that. Just so I don't get roasted. <laughs> like, I uh there's this uh there's a subreddit called Roast My Track. Oh, where I, <laughs> so you put your song in there and they give you feedback. And I put my song in there and then I think the first two people were like, song shit, videos dope. I'm like <laughs> 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 And I, I screenshot it I screenshotted that and sent it to to Dom and Santiago and they had a good laugh, but like that's just how good the video is. Like I think my I think the song is great, but the video is just like it's 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 a different level. So right. I'm that's 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 my I'm clinging to that video to dear life. That is like my favorite thing that has, I've ever done or ever been a part of, and it's it's all thanks to that whole team. Those guys are incredible. Well, and now they're gonna have to follow it up too with something bigger. So I mean, <laughs> we're like, terrified. Let's go. <laughs> um, well, like, well, let's talk about the song too. I think we sold the video, but let's, the, the song. Um, again, what were you? What were we going through? What What was the inspiration behind it? Because uh, the world's doing an awful lot of talking right now. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so it was along the same lines of the of the don't front video, where it's like, I see people. In, in rap or I guess it's in just in music in general, I see people talking about certain things or acts or statuses. And I'm like, cool, but I know you. Ottawa's small. I know a lot of this isn't accurate. So it's like, why, why bother? Why bother? Why bother putting out stuff if it's not going to be authentic? So the whole the chorus is you're talking a lot flex like your industry sending shots flex like your industry you're not and it's just like it's it's exhausting to have to like sort through who's telling the truth who's lying it's not just ottawa obviously like that's you can say that with any city like there's always going to be people just putting on a mask and putting out music and seeing what sticks but it just it always it always rubbed me the wrong way um, but that was that was the inspiration lyrically for that. And then the verses are just me just being just diving deeper into that and trying to put off like double entendres and wordplay and just kind of sneaky lines you have to listen to a couple times to get because that's what I grew up listening to was the wordplay stuff. Mm -hmm. So if I can sprinkle a bit of that mixed with catchy chorus, we're set. Yeah, going back to, you know, 80s and, and 90s when you're you're talking about like you know Nas or uh, like even earlier than that uh, how how they would play that you know most deaf like throwing in things that don't necessarily like you don't think about the first time and you just hear it then you know a couple times in you're like 
it just helps the light bulb kind of it goes clicks like, oh that's oh, my favorite oh. feeling that is my yeah. favorite feeling listening to a track 11 times and then the 12th time you're like oh whoa he said this he said this i missed that completely and then i listen to the track 11 more times <laughs> it's yeah no, it's, it's smart um like so how like when you're writing how much just flows how much just like comes right out onto the page all of it all of it yeah oh damn so once uh once i have an idea of what i want this song to sound like it doesn't take long to write um it takes long to perfect like i'm not uh delivery is my weakest point like actually saying the lines and not stumbling over my words or getting the right inflections right that's that's part that takes the longest but the writing process is always fairly quick so even really like even the rhymes and those like you just kind of put the pen to paper or i, I guess yeah now, i mean it's just it's just from typing. it's from years of just listening to the most complicated rhyme patterns in the world like the Nas, like the Rock Hymns, the Bigs, the Tupacs, the M&Ms, like those guys are so intricate with the way they write. And you just start to pick up on like little nuances and just like it eventually just bleeds into your work. Like I'm sure for any artist, like when you're, if you're like a, a director or a filmmaker, if you watch enough movies, you're going to start like picking up little things that you can put into yours and eventually you just have your own product. It's true. And thank you for bringing up Rock Kim. Like literally as you're talking, like who's that? can't remember his name and i'm like trying to google yeah. it like song lyrics that was one of the He's ones huge. i wanted to mention because um did have you watched the documentary on youtube uh like hip-hop evolution i haven't watched it yet no my dad's oh. not on me to watch it but I've yeah it's so amazing. good <laughs> so good but like that was one of the cool things when they're like you know he, shad's going through it all and, and talking about it how he like revolutionized this whole kind of instead of like rapping on the beat how he would go in between the beats and how like that's you know branched off into all these other rappers and stuff like that yeah. and i always thought that was really cool like i just again like i, I hear the whole thing history like without rakim there's no there's no m there's no there's no logic there's no i don't know there's no j cole's like mm -hmm. the fact that he was able to because before before rakim rap was like a rhyme a b rhyme a rhyme yeah b rhyme. it was like it was like a, it was just like a child's poem and then rakim just was able to break that down even further and just like you were saying on the off on the off beats and just like crafting his words and bending it around the instrumental to make it sound the way he wants to sound and it's while still making sense is the cool part to me when they're mm -hmm. doing these crazy rhyme patterns and going off beat and coming back on beat and sometimes they'll sing a bit or sometimes they'll just like speed up or slow down and the rhyme patterns are still crazy and they're still telling a story like that's tough that's tough i literally don't understand how how a human is able to again like you just said like do all those things like not only like make the the rhythm you know what was cool about learning how rakim did it is he grew up listening to jazz and like that's so that's how he developed it but like you said like tell the story so what what's the story uh, make all those crazy word plays that we were talking about and the double entendres and the linking from here to here. And yeah. it's like almost like a little puzzle and it's yeah, like my brain does not work like that. It, <laughs> it's so fascinating to me how, how people are able to, to do this and, and have it come out just so good and, and so meaningful. Like that's, that's the art that like I, that melts my brain trying to, trying to, break down and it's 
so fun to try to digest all the time. Like it's, it's easy to put out a, okay. I, I'm not a good singer, obviously. Like if I'll, I'm going to start working on it, but like when it comes to like auto tune and, and putting out like trappy, catchy songs, it's easier to write. Cause you're not, there's not a lot of substance to it. Like lyrically, obviously mm. you can tell stories and be honest about it. But like when it comes to like wordplay and rhyme schemes, those songs tend to lack it. So when you go back to those, the, the, like the Nas era where it's like, these guys are telling full length stories in a matter of three minutes with like a beginning, middle end, everything rhymes. The patterns are crazy. He still sounds good. It's easy to listen to. That's so complicated to do, but it's for these guys, it just seems like it just leaks out of their head. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause they put out album after album and I'm like, how do you not run out of stuff to say? <laughs> not run out of words. Um, I remember being a, a kid and um, I grew up in like the smallest, like whitest town like, <laughs> imaginable. I say it a lot. So it's just funny. Like now that I look back on it, like me thinking like I was cool, but like my introduction to hip hop was one, it was D12. And then the Classic. second and, well, and Eminem, but like the other, the song that really got me was a uh, mortal technique. And I think it's dance with the devil or dance dancing with the devil no i i thought i had it in my head but no i questioned myself but like the whole like i mean it's like a nine minute song and yeah. he just goes through this whole story of little jimmy or whatever his name was and and then all of a sudden it turns out to be him at the end sorry spoiler alert for those who have <laughs> but, but like the crazy crazy world that like he goes through and then the, uh, like oh, the, the big spoiler i'm not going to reveal but like to me like that's where because like Eminem was cool, like really liked it. And right in the time of my like pre-teens, teens was um, the Eminem show, which was like a massive album. And yeah, the first CD my dad ever let me get was uh, D12 World. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but, like, but that was like, you know, and I liked it, you know, Purple Pills, sure. But it's Devil's Night, but it like none of that was really telling the story like that told. And that's where I was like, oh, this can be so much more. Sort yeah. of like how metal took rock and roll and told me it could be so much more lyrically. Because it's funny that they're like complete opposites, but I do find a lot of similarities between, you know, how heavy metal songs are written and hip hop. They don't necessarily have the, the word schemes or anything like that, but it's, mm-hmm. it's that deep meaning um, and like poetic phrases and, and all these things that like, really articulate how someone's feeling and and can tell this story and that's where i was like oh music can be so much more than just what i'm hearing on the radio oh yeah oh it's big i think i think with like with metal and and old hip-hop it's like they're not super super focused on sounding amazing they're more focused on just like getting the message across and then the sound kind of comes afterwards and I, i i think that's how it works again i'm just that's how i would approach it but I think that's where the similarities can get drawn. Yeah. And I mean, when I was going through my, my teen years, you know, and being like depressed and, and not really knowing it, like that was still in a time where didn't really talk about it. I didn't understand anything was going wrong, but like I always attribute music to in a way saving my life um, with what similar to what you said about how, you know, that person reached out to you uh, you know, like that would have been me because I, I was hearing these 
people articulate the exact same way I was feeling into song. Mm-hmm. And I was like, like, it just, like, it spoke to me. And like, even now, if I'm, I'm depressed, like I will listen to like my favorite music and it, it like doesn't solve it, but it, it, fuck, it's like, comfort. it helps. It's comfort. That's, that's, that's what it's been for me. Like when I've been at my lowest, like there's a, in college, I was listening to one album. It's called, uh, it's called Process by Sampha. I've never, I'd never listened to his music before that, but that was the only thing that I would listen to back then. And it's, it's now my favorite album ever mm. just because of where I was at that time. And because the album is about him losing, uh, losing his mom and just, just the raw emotion of that album was, it kind of, it just resonated with it. It resonated with me at the time. And to this day, like I, I've yet to connect to a song or an album more than that. So I think a lot of that is just, where you're at at the time you hear the you hear the music because i'm sure if like i was in a if i was in a good place and i heard that that album i'd be like yeah it's good but i don't think it would have sat with me as a person as much as it did right you talked a little bit you know earlier in 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 some of your tracks about authenticity and it's something that i've i've talked about on this podcast before because it is you know, something I strive to, and it, it does fascinate me, especially in the world of social media. We, I've never covered it pertaining to music though, but my question is, is when, you know, right now, you know, you're not a, a multi-platinum selling artist, you know, you don't have what I like to call fuck you money. So you yep. still have to kind of be <laughs> careful with what you say, you know, exactly. you have to, you have to be, you know, guard, be up, guard you can't just put anything into your lyrics and and because you know the the blowback could come back someday or tomorrow whenever so like i'm i'm just curious like how do you balance that how do you balance trying to be your authentic self and and get the message that you want to get across but also you know and i i do the exact same thing balancing on this podcast like Mm-hmm. There's things I, I want to get into that I'm like, fuck, but it could get me into a lot of trouble. <laughs> I think for me, finding the best balance was just like sparing the specific details. Mm. Like I'll paint the picture, but I won't like take the pencil and engrave the exact thing that I was going through. I'll just, I'll give it more of like a blanket statement. So when like, like impatient, I was talking about like the depression I was going through and and I was just like, drinking a lot but I never really went into what caused it or how I was feeling at the time or how bad it got because I don't want that in the music just yet like I think I need a bigger platform because I want to be able to reach more people with messages like that so I'm going to hold off on really diving into where I was at at the time until I can just have a bigger audience and impact more people um, but for now it's just like again just kind of having a little blanket over it and not going too, too details into it. It's, it's such a struggle because there's nothing I want more than to talk about, you know, not necessarily like, I don't really have steadfast opinions in anything. Um, you know, I have some things I believe to be true, but like nothing is like a hundred percent really concrete. And there's things mm. like, I would just love to talk to people about and, and just kind of hash it out, like see what, what it is. But I'm like, there, there is limits to the way we can express ourselves and uh, live authentically. Um, yeah. You know, and, and sometimes that's good. You know, if you're a 
blatant racist or sexist or whatever <laughs> like yeah it's probably better you shut the fuck up and get over there yeah but you know like when you're just trying to live an honest life and be a good person and, and have great intentions you know society doesn't necessarily reward that either it, it we kind of need that facade over us to it's weird to get through but like for me it's just i think and i really want to start getting into where i was or what i'm going through now just so i can just from that that one that one message that i got changed my entire perspective on music so i'm like maybe if i can start getting more and more into the details i can relate to one more person and then have them reach out or vice versa and just having those open conversations with people like for me with my depression like the best way to get out of my slumps is just talking to people mm-hmm. whether it's a stranger or my therapist or just a friends or family just having that open conversation has always been like that's what makes me feel better um is you so i mean like the last two songs you put out you kind of talked about you know a little bit more of a niche thing with like the local kind of scene and, mm-hmm. and all those different things but the first song was very personal like where do you see like i don't know if you have a catalog of things you've already wrote and, and you're just ready to record or whatever but like where do you kind of see where you're taking the music is it is it going to be a lot of mental health focus you know is it going to be on you know, maybe cultural, political issues? Is it going to be more pertained to, you know, local Ottawa stuff? Like, where, where do you see it going? I think, I think I just want to be able to speak my mind all the time. So whether it's me shitting on people for being inauthentic, or whether it's me just opening up about what I'm going through at the time, I think just the the freedom. So if, 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 I, if I ever put out an album, it's going to be all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's going to be me at my worst, me at my best, me shit talking, me having a good time. Cause that's just how I'm feeling. Like that's, I just want my feelings to be evident on whatever, whatever I'm putting out. So I don't really know. I don't like sonically, I have an idea of what I want it to sound like. Um, and lyric wise, I want to be able to, so this is like the balance I'm trying to find. I want to be able mm-hmm. to be, and say exactly what I want to say, like have the complicated rhyme schemes, the the wordplay, the flow, all that, all that. But I want it to be digestible to a bigger audience. So whether that means sparkling it up a little bit, like talking a lot is content heavy, but it's also kind of catchy when it comes to like the hook and stuff like that. So I think that little niche market is where I want to start focusing more of my energy into. Yeah, it's funny you need that balance because, you know, the general consensus is people don't want too deep or too political or too you know honest you know going back to that point we're making before where Mm -hmm. people you know it's like oh like that's like yeah people don't want like the start to divide people yeah exactly right when you come out with like a strong message you know you you are going to have division on 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 opinion and, and whatever but it's just, it's fun when, like, if you're looking at mass consumerism, you know, if ever making it like super big, like getting played on the radio, that's an, that's another thing that is incredibly difficult because especially, you know, where hip hop falls right now, because there's not really a, a hip hop station in Canada other than sort of Toronto, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's hard to, 
And that's not even saying you need radio to make it, but in order to kind of make it mainstream or, or big, it's like they don't, they don't want you complete honesty all the time. They kind of want you to be like, mm, like it'll turn people good. away. And that's like, they, they, they need everyone to look like the idea for radio is that everybody can relate to it. So it ups their, ups their chances of getting more listeners and shares. So I'm like, if it's just like cookie cutter sounds, everyone's able to digest it. They're going to want that kind of shit for their, for their radio. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you start putting like political opinions or religious opinions or just like anything in your music that can start dividing people, they're not going to want to play that for you. They're not going to want to play that for the public. It's, and that's what I kind of like about the internet, you know, for all that said about streaming and paying its artists and everything like that. I don't know anything about it really, but I, I'm just, as I, as you're talking, I'm taking a lot of similarities into, you know, kind of why I got into this doing the podcasting and stuff like that because in a similar way to the music mainstream is also that way with content um with yeah. what people are allowed to talk about um and what people want to digest and you know you really see a movement online at least about whether it's long-form content or, or more deep shit or more honest mm-hmm. real like that's kind of where it is. It's just trying to get that message out there to actually reach the people, reach those people that you want to reach. Like, fuck, that's, that's the hard part. Uh, like putting it out there is easy compared to that because there's so much competition and noise and, and bullshit and Donald Trump fucking tweeting in caps locks. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so, so outlandish, man. Like every time I wake up and he's still in office, I'm like, this is, this is like a fever dream. It's still going on. But I don't know. I I try not to let that stuff bother me. But it's just like, I don't even live in the States. And it's still like a huge part of my life and a huge part of every day now. Because it's just, it's everywhere. It's so, it's so ridiculous. As we speak right now, it's on a Thursday. And uh, right now he's actually on a press conference claiming he's been ch- cheated. So anyway, that's where that's at. That's what happens when you're losing. But I, I mean, like, it's... I, I don't even know what's next. That's the thing. As soon as he got in office, I'm like, dude, every day is going to, is, is no one knows what's going to happen. It's, it's a crapshoot every single day. So one, one thing when he got into office though, that it kind of, it, it got me excited, but I mean, again, going back to an earlier point where it's like, it's a sad excited because it, it's going to mean people are going to go through hardship. But, you know, mm-hmm. I go back to when we were kids and, and Trump or, um, Bush was in office and how much good art or even the early nineties when they had, you know, Reagan and, and, uh, or the eighties and, and George Bush senior, you know, mm-hmm. you had, you know, uh, public enemy and, and NWA or I, um, ice T or then you, you know, you get into rage against the machine. If you go to the rock side or Eminem and some of his more, you know, when it's tough political, like you get some good shit, you get some good yeah. music because people are pissed off. It's um, raw. It's it's like angry people like yeah. speaking their minds, and that's that's dope. But I don't know. I didn't really find it this time. I I mean, I guess could have missed it, but like I didn't find the the music reflected the the political climate in some ways. I don't think it's been as good. I think it's still there. I don't think the songs are nearly as good as they were before. Like nowadays, it's just uh, f Donald Trump, and then just but there's no like substance to it. There's no why why f donald trump like i i 
just hearing what he says about women, it's like, holy shit. It's, it's tough to digest and it's tough to like see him as a political figure, knowing the things he said about women in the past. Like I'd love to hear that talked about in a song instead of just, Oh, F this guy, F this fat guy. If I'm like, yeah, I sure it's funny and it's your opinions there, but like, I need to know more of why you don't like this guy. Right. I mean, when you hear something like him say, uh to the proud boys which is white supremacy like you know stand back and stand by or some of the shit he said following you know george floyd and and all that how he handled that you know just like how does you know as a you know a person of color like how does that shit like make you feel like it's it's almost unreal at this point like you'd expect like a little bit of sympathy from from him but every statement is like I don't think he gives a shit. And I mean, he's old. Maybe it's just, it's how his brain's wired. Like he's just not compassionate towards issues like that. But like, come on. <laughs> like it's the standby thing. Like, say said something. That, like, I was like, it's crazy. <laughs> like all you had to say was, that's bad. <laughs> like that alone, just, hey, don't do that. Yeah, and that whole people would have been like, sweet. Because you can't defend that. Like, some things politically are just, like, wrong, right? Like, equal rights, right. But saying stand by and just kind of dismissing white supremacy is a little odd to me. <laughs> Especially yeah. when your platform's that massive. Well, you're the leader of the quote-unquote free world. Yeah. It, the whole scenario is mind-boggling to me. Um just watching it in the whole back and forth between him and the moderator where he's like, well, you denounce it. He's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe I, what do you mean? What do you want me to say? What are, then he's just like, it's like, he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. It's like, no, like you literally just had to say, I denounce white supremacy. Like it would have been that it. easy. He couldn't do it. So like there's, it's so easy to just say, I denounce white supremacy, but he couldn't, the words couldn't come out of his face. So it, it leads you to believe that maybe he, didn't want to yeah you know it, and this is a deep question too so like feel free to to dodge it or, or or whatever but you know with donald trump and everything that happened you know during the pandemic and and you know you know race tensions like definitely escalated and and you know black lives matter at the forefront which is which is great and we're now talking about all these these things but I know like most of that's in the States, but up in here in Canada, it's, we're for sure not immune. And a lot of that stuff leaks out, up in, in here for sure. You, do you use that in any way with inspiration for some of your writing or in, in where you want to go? Um, um, I never really got too into politics just as a person. Like I would yeah. follow it when necessary, but I never really got super informed on it. Um, so I didn't, it never really crossed my mind to start putting into music. Like all my stuff is still very personal. Mm -hmm. And I mean, eventually it's going to start leaking out. Like, like the Black Lives Matter stuff, it's, it's, this year has been wild. Mm -hmm. Like it's been ridiculous. Like the protests of like, the peaceful protests are amazing to watch, but like how many people are going to get killed before you got to like make a change. Right. Um, once I can start putting out more music, because I'm still, it's still kind of tough for me to put out stuff, mm -hmm. but like I want to be able to start talking about shit like that more 
openly to. And again, that's going to start dividing people. I'm going to draw a line through my fan base immediately, especially in the States. But if, if you don't agree with me that you don't have to listen to my music. Right. Mm. So that's like the one thing that I'm always grounded with. Like if, if you don't agree with me and my beliefs, then you don't, I don't care if you're not listening to my music or not. You're not, you are not meant to, we're not meant to connect. Right. It's, it, it, it was, it, the question kind of sparks from, you know, a, a revelation that I, I, I learned, you know, earlier this year and the connection, especially between racism and, and mental health that, which is, I, you know, I'm embarrassed to even admit, like, it's a, such an obvious connection, but like, it just never really kind of like clicked until someone said it out loud to me. Mm-hmm. It, but, you know, and, and so just like learning about, you know, now this is our first conversation, everything in mental health and stuff, but like, how that affects people who have been oppressed and marginalized mental health wise and how that could potentially, you know, come out in music and and in your release when you're writing stuff. Like I remember, I remember growing up, like um, my parents would always tell me like, Hey, if you're going out at night, no hoodies, keep your hoodie. Don't wear your hoodie up. Just, it's like the small things that you never really think about. Like as a kid, I'm like, okay, just don't wear hoodies at night or don't, uh, don't wear a baseball cap into a store or don't, uh, don't have your hands in your pockets, like shit like that, that you don't really think about as a kid. I'm like, Oh, just simple rules. But like, when you think about it now, it's like, they're trying to save my life. Like, of yeah. course it's not as prominent here, but like just wearing a hoodie and being in the wrong place at the wrong time with, with the wrong skin complexion can get you shot. So I mean, I'm glad that I was able to grow up in, in Ottawa, which has been relatively safe. And I mean, there's always there's always racism everywhere. But like for me, all the racism that I experienced growing up was just was small. It was it wasn't there was no major things for me, which is I, I'm grateful for. But it was just like it's weird to think about that now. Just all the lessons that I was taught young were literally to keep me safe and keep me from getting into shitty or stupid positions. It, it is a morbid thought uh, yeah. that like. You, you have to teach young kids that um, I have siblings who are indigenous and not necessarily to, you know, you have to wear hoodies and stuff, but like you, that you have to just give subtle nods to how to protect themselves yeah. versus the rest of the world. You're almost uh, acting a little bit. It's weird. Yeah. Like you have to like consciously make decisions of not doing certain things where, as anybody else wouldn't really have to think like that. Yeah. I mean, I have never really thought about any of that type of stuff. (laughs) It's weird. It's, 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 it's sad, but it's, it's real. Yeah. Like I, I whenever I'm in public, I have to conduct myself. Like I'm always thinking like, Oh, don't, don't ever raise your voice. Cause like, then you're going to be seen as that loud black man. And I'm like, I mean, I'm a calm person in general. Like my, this is my, this is my tone 100% of the time. But like the fact that I have to be aware of that at all times is, is weird. Right. When you have like angry Karens with like short hair who are like literally trying to fight the customer <laughs> service representative and like people are just like, okay, like, come on, like, let's like trying to like usher them out calmly. It's, it's weird. It's so weird. 
it's fun like it and this is canada like talking right here experience in canada because we often so m- many times feel we're immune and we look at the states and we're like Mm-mm-mm. not good but glad it's not us glad <laughs> it's lesser here but it still exists yeah well i mean i like to think we're a lot more open and thankfully more liberal and and 100 yeah. understanding and even when it comes to, you know, like anti-racism and, and systemic racism and, and all those different conversations were more generally inclined to at least digest that and, and not at least not come back combative or defensive about it, right? Like you, you, mm-hmm. I think you're seeing that in this election right now with America that 50% of the country basically was like, like for whatever reason, like, whoa, that's too much. Like, okay, like whatever Trump's doing is bad, but like, hey. I don't want to have to give up something. Okay. Like, right. <laughs> it's so, it's like, it's scary. As funny as it is to joke about him in office, it's, it's, it's scary. So I, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of days, but I think yeah. there's going to be an uproar regardless of the, of the, of the outcome. <sighs> yeah. I, I, thought it was like a troll this whole time i thought he was like a troll and i thought at the end he was going to be like i basically taught you that your system is bullshit and how yeah. easy you are to to like divide and manipulate and like manipulate yeah exactly like i thought that was good like his whole thing and he's just gonna be like haha fucking got you you idiot <laughs> but like after seeing like the past couple days i'm kind of like okay maybe like he is more you know this is more than him yeah i like that he he's fighting he just went on a whole like 20 minute conference about this is all fraud and bullshit i'm like oh shit no he really believes the things that are coming out of his mouth and that's (laughs) that's the scariest part and it always amazes me that like people are like well you know biden is a career politician and and, you know whatever this and that and they have some sort of i don't trust him i'm like but you you trust this guy yeah <laughs> like yeah pardon? yeah like they're like oh i can't uh i can't trust biden just from what he says like i need more than that but I'm like then you go and trust the other guy exactly the same way of exactly what he's saying but i don't think i don't know it's it's tough to get into because it's just so outlandish when you start thinking about it it's a tv show like i, I, I it really a quote. is a quote i saw was like we're in an episode of south park i'm like <laughs> every day i'm like we really are like all the shit that's being said, whether it's from the president or on our, our lives. I'm just like, we live in an episode of South Park. Everything that I thought was absurd just gets more absurd every single day. Like and some so the new point where you get numb or, to it. it. And it's true. Like it, I just have fatigue with almost it all. And I try to pay attention to the shit that I know is important. And it's, you know, it's human beings and how I can treat people with respect and learn from their experiences and, and just, you know, be a better human. Like, to me, like that's, like that's all that I can focus on because there's so much shit I have to know, you know, uh, with my job, with the podcast, with mental health, with, you know, politics, with my fucking finances, my bank account, like you know the pandemic. We're in a fucking pandemic, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> people <laughs> like, forget that because there's so yeah, much other shit going on. Exactly. It's like, oh yeah, I gotta wear my mask outside because uh, if not, I could get sick. Like, fuck. Okay, and I, it's just. It's all so much. So you have to like break it down into, okay, how can I actually be the most effective with my life and an impact on people? And it's really just, you know, 
having good conversations with people and learning and just being a good human being and giving back where, where I can, whether that's through finances or through the podcast or through my story or helping other people share their stories. Like, like there's not much else I can do as one person. But that's why I really appreciate your podcast is that you give people a chance to, to open up and have genuine conversations. Like this didn't, this wasn't an interview. Like this is, this is the best part. Like we just, we just spoke for over an hour, just picking each other's brains and getting, getting different perspective on things. Right. And yeah. that's, that's what made me keep coming back to your podcast. Like, again, I don't know anything about like some of your guests, like the, like there's like, there's mental health, there's like physiotherapy, there's like space. I'm like, I have, I have no fucking clue about any of this stuff, but like, it's interesting to hear because these they're real people. Yeah. It's uh, my, my, f- phrases like i want to be a less controversial joe rogan <laughs> like i want to be a little like less like push the envelope with alex jones and stuff and yeah you know like i said like coming one i appreciate those words and you know it, it does mean a lot to me but when i i go back to two years ago when i started this thing it was about finding out things from actual humans rather than just getting all my information and perception of society through Twitter and through, through the internet, basically, right? Like all of our information is basically someone else telling us what is true or what to believe. And now I don't even know what that is. Like what, what's real, what's not like now that's all being questioned. But, you know, when I, when I want to talk about things like, you know, I, I love the science shit. Like that stuff just fascinates me and I love learning about it. And cause I, I was never good in school. Uh, me either. <laughs> like I just, I love learning about it, but I can't apply it. So like I got shitty marks. So I just never pursued it, but I love learning about it. Like space, what's more, what is more cool than space? Like the shit that goes on there, like that's crazy. Nuts. Um, mental health is just my network and it's something that, you know, is interesting, but especially talking about things that are, more taboo in in the media when it comes to like race or or you know sexual identity or you know gender expression like you know those those issues that are really kind of polarizing to a lot of people like i don't particularly find too polarizing to me because i just want to sit down and like ask you some questions like no animosity if i'm wrong about something like tell me and let's let's dissect dissect why it's wrong one of the one of the most important conversations that I had that really shaped my, my view on this was with um, their name is uh, Carrington Christmas and they are a um, indigenous advocate um, and also black advocate, you know, so all these different things with their work. But it was, I was able to sit down with the conversation on understanding why, you know, white privilege, like why is not seeing color, like why is that phrase bad? Because those are some things that I thought before, you know. Oh, that's dude. I got that so often that I don't see color shit. That was yeah. That's and, so frustrating. And you know, it's no defense, but like coming from this small town where like we had one black family until I was at high school that I knew, mm-hmm. like it was just like you thought that was the right thing. You thought you were the good person, but yeah. when instead of arguing about it on Twitter, I was like okay, like someone was willing to actually have a conversation with me and, and realize that like, I'm trying to come at it from a good place. I'm not trying yeah. to be like, hey, like you said this thing, I'm going to catch you on it and like get in a big argument and try to prove mm-hmm. you wrong or make you look it's like an idiot. 
yeah. And like, that's all I want it to be. So after that conversation, I was able to really be like, okay, like, here we go. Like now we can really focus in on, on how we, we talk to people and communicate for me. And that like, that's exactly what I wanted it to be. And if I can put my journey out there, similar to what you're doing with your music um, and just have people learn from maybe my mistakes or I have a lot of friends who are very conservative and, and from back home and, you know, some of their views don't align with my views, but if they can hear me talking about it, like, and having a civilized conversation, like you hope that like, to me, like that's hopefully the way we start changing things. Yeah. It's just being able to accept new information, I yeah. think is, is tough. Cause a lot of, a lot of, I think a lot of the racism nowadays is just from being old like I'm not trying to like obviously segregate the old people, but like that's when you grow up a certain way, it's hard to change your mind, right? Like I can, I can imagine it's very frustrating for being you're you're seven years old and you're told for eighty percent of your life that this is the way you should look at people, this is the way you should look at colored people, this is the way you should look at homosexual people, like, and then all of a sudden the world's like, hey, you can't think like that. It's I can imagine it's hard to switch. So I, I do, there's a bit of understanding in that regard, but like at a certain point, you got to start to adapt, right? It, it, you got to free the ego because there's a lot of ego to it where you're just like, there's embarrassment, but that, that ego and embarrassment and kind of like shame turns into defensiveness. Yeah. Um, and, you know, thankfully young people are being brought up now with all this information. And, but it, to me, it was like, okay, like, I have a lot of friends who are saying this and so there's truth to it. So let's try to understand it. Like, don't, why do, why am I getting defensive about it? Like, I mean, the first time I read, you know, all white people are racist. I'm like, I'm like, that was like a, like a heart. Like, mm, it's tough to digest. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, okay. Like what does that actually mean? Because, you know, my definition of racism was always like you overtly like dislike someone by the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. So the the meaning and definition has kind of changed for me, which has been able to make me understand it. Where it's like, you know, I'm 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 kind of like by being white, there's that like element of racism and privilege and everything like that. But like, it doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad person. And that was the way I took it at first. It but it, it's like okay, like the my the position I'm in. Like it's more about that rather than you as an assault on your personal character, which I think, because I know I took it that way until I was able to really like hash it out. But I think that's like, that's the barrier where people get like, no, I'm not. I'm a good person. How dare you? And they don't bother hearing out the other side. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what it is. Like when you don't know, like even with me in school, like just to give an example, like, if you ask me a question and I didn't know, I'm going to get defensive about not knowing. Like, I'm going to be like, well, I didn't, no one taught me or no one, this is like, well, maybe it's this way. Instead of just being like, accepting the new information. It's just, it's, it's, I think it's the fear of being embarrassed. A lot mm-hmm. of it roots in that, the fear of being wrong. But I think we got to like start breaking that down and just being able to accept the new, the new norms, the new, like just, the way the world's changing, you have to start slowly adapting to it and then breaking the mold of just who you were before. The most important realization was, you know, I, 
I, I'm sure you remember like when Trump took office that the people are like, oh, all of a sudden, you know, now we're talking, you know, me too. Now we're talking about race. Like, where did this all come from? And the biggest realization for me was like, this, this didn't live in a vacuum. This was always around. Mm-hmm. People were talking about this. They were writing about this. They were putting it in their music. They were like, you know, having rallies about it. It's just now we have social media. So we don't rely on gatekeepers. We don't rely on the media. And, you know, we can go direct to other people with, with the message. And a lot of people were, again, like, well, I don't understand what happened. Like, why are we talking about this now? It's like, no, 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 no. No, you're just seeing it now. Yeah, the curtain's been, been unveiled now. You're seeing all the stuff now. Yeah, like I, was, I remember that clicked off. I was watching a documentary on the 60s and all the shit that happened there. And I was like, like there were, you know, the civil rights movement and everything. And they were talking to people and, and showing interviews and clips. And I was like, this is like, this is exactly the, like they're saying the same thing. Like this is, yeah. like this is a mirror. Not much has like, changed. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like I just, I wish more people would do that kind of soul searching. Like I embrace being wrong now because that means I can get better. It's not wrong to be wrong. It's, it's a weird thing to say like that. Like it's not bad to be incorrect. Like if you're willing to accept that you're wrong and learn to figure out how to get to the other position and understanding it, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Like that's just that's just how learning works. It's like a test, right? Like yeah. if you want to get a hundred, like you gotta find out where you went wrong when you got like seventy learn from that okay like i can't do arithmetic i can't add two plus two so um you know I, that's the way i look at it now i just as i look at how the states is right now and all the division and i mean we have it here in canada like i don't know that's why i try to get this message across and have these conversations because really like if i can if i can figure it out like i i really believe like anyone could figure it out it's 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 just putting the effort into it that not yeah. many people, not many people are willing to do. Exactly. Um, listen, man, I'll, I'll let you go. It's been a lot of fun. If people want to follow you on social media, uh, catch you know your next track coming, watch this fucking sick music video that we did. <laughs> where, where can they find you? Um, Instagram is where I'm usually most active. It's uh, it's Eugen I T S Y U J E N. Um, I'm taking a little break right now from social media, but I am most active there. So if you ever need to reach me, that's the best way to do it. And then all my links will be provided there. So if you need to check out the video, just it'll all be there too. Yeah. And uh, go right up to that YouTube. It's Y-U-J-E-N on YouTube. Just type that right in. Takes you right there. You can see that beautiful, sexy video. <laughs> share, it, share it to your friends. Share it to your mom. Share it to your dad. Just keep watching it. There's uh if you don't like the song, just mute it and watch the video. It's it's just visually pleasing. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Well, uh, be good. And uh, we'll talk real soon. I'm sure I appreciate you. Thanks, man. Appreciate the opportunity. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.